0: Welcome to this month's podcast I'm Laura Horton
1: and I'm Michael Bentley hello and thank you for joining us
0: hello and thank you everybody we have um, free smashing questions and uh, one of them's actually come from a person who has seen where I was uh, last week uh, they have seen some Facebook or social media pictures and it's prompted uh, a question so that's lovely now, our questions this month, we have a question from a practice about CPD and can they provide their own CPD for their team members? And they've also asked for a little bit of help and a bit more information about PDPs. So all um, DCPs are now onto the new scheme as of the 1st of August. So. There might be some people that are slightly behind, but we'll give you some tips today. Uh, As I said, the second question is about uh, mouth cancer uh, awareness month and what the practice could potentially be doing. And then the last question is an interesting one. It's about apprentice dentists versus a therapist and the benefits and um, what we think basically about both of the roles. So we'll give our opinions on on that area as well. So let's get straight into the first question. So this practice has been looking at the CPD documents that the GDC put out some time ago and they've looked through and because they've got you know highly skilled team members and um, some trainee team members and other team members also that they want to develop within their skill set they have looked at this and one, and they're wondering, can they provide their own CPD and, and, and what do they need to do? And they've also asked about the PDP. So I think if I just give you an overview in regards to the CPD and then I'll hand over to Mike, who can answer um, about the PDP's now. The GDC document, the um, provider of CPD document is fantastic. It outlines absolutely everything that you need to be doing as a CPD provider. And I appreciate two practices. This is completely new, whereas for us as a business, when we go into a practice, we are training that we were doing if we were working on a training event would provide c p d and there were certain things that we needed to do and then that changed and i think it's it's changed for the better um I think it's really good in the u k just to let everybody know in Ireland, it is different, so in Ireland as a company, if we want to provide Um, verifiable CPD, we have to put an application into the Irish Dental Council for them to approve that event. And they sign it off and say, yes, there can be, you know, six hours or six and a half hours for this. That I think is fantastic. However, um, I'm sure they've looked at that. Here in the UK, and it probably wouldn't work, would it? Because you know, there's 2,000 dentists in Ireland compared to 40,000 here, so it is a bit different. But I think we've made some really positive changes in the right direction, and that is really to do with a lot of the criteria that we have to put out there. So, as a practice, what do you need to do? Well, first of all, you need to plan the training. Um, You need to spend a lot of time doing that. There's gonna be a lot of documentation that you need to put together. But for it to be verifiable CPD, you then need to look at the outcomes. And we've got four different outcomes, A, B, C and D. And you need to match those against your learning outcomes. So you need to have a very clear list. At the end of this training session, the delegate will be able to do or we'll be able to, you know, no more, discuss, um, you know, so many different words that you put in front of it. And then you need to look and you need to do some mapping to match your ABCD outcomes to say, well, that that's ABC. We're definitely not covering D this time. We're definitely not covering A this time. And I'd just like to add, I like to go one step further um, and not just have it you know, A, B, C, D as a summary for all the learning outcomes. I actually like to put the A, B, C or D next to each individual learning outcome. It's just me being a bit bit of a geek. Um, you then need to have a registration form. Everyone needs to sign in. doesn't matter that you're in the practice. Everyone needs to sign in for the CPD and everyone will need to complete a feedback form. And that feedback form, again, has to have some sort of reflective It doesn't have to, but I like it to have some reflective questions in there, such as what changes are you going to make following today's training? So people can have a little little statement Um, and that is great and that also links directly to the PDP as well, which uh, Michael will talk about PDP shortly. Um, You need to then provide certificates and the certificates are a lot more detailed now. The certificates have to have the learning um, outcomes on them. And then one of the key things is quality assurance. And this is what I really love now that, you know, you have to have somebody responsible for the quality assurance of that training that you are delivering. And that person's name needs to be on the certificate. You need to have policies for quality assurance in your business. And yes, it can be someone in the practice, um, but you might find someone externally to quality assure your in practice training. If you're going to have somebody from in the practice which I think most people will then that should be the principal dentist if you ask me and um, you know no, no getting out of it here um, but you know there, there are a few tips and a few key things that I can tell you you know in a snapshot of time that we have but definitely download the PDF file and um, the CPD um, guidance for providers from the GDC website because it is fantastic and I know I see I've got a printed copy in front of me because I'm always going from that particularly the outcomes I don't know Mike you do too when we discuss don't we can that be B and C can that be B and D um you know we really are quite on it but I hand over to Mike now about uh, PDPs over to you
1: Michael uh yeah I, I will agree first with everything you've said uh, so far that document by the GDC is actually really crystal clear uh what's expected and I think the reaction that I'm having from practices is that they have got themselves overwhelmed before they even read the document. So yeah. my advice, well is just read the document because it's not scary. I think we've decided now that anything compliance related is really scary. We aren't going to be able to understand it. It's something else to implement. And actually, I think what they've done here is they've really simplified things and made things really easy moving forward to plan our CPD. And and I don't know about you, Laura, but this is my personal opinion. I always thought that non-verifiable CPD was a complete and utter waste of time. you know, people were just making things up. So basically, the five-year cycle is really important. So what it does is it looks at really where you want to be going over the next five years. My advice to practice, though, is that actually your plans, your PDPs, need to be planned as a group of people. So they need to be planned in your team. There's no point me having a PDP that goes in a totally different direction to Laura, um, it, it, we have to plan what we're going to do so that, you know, the knowledge and the areas that people are moving into are going to be supported. So for an example, you know, if you've got a dentist that is going to be moving into orthodontics for the first time or implants for the first time, then that is going to have a knock and effect, isn't it, to the hygienists that are going to be part of the maintenance of those, to the therapists as well, to the dental nurses that are going to be supporting in the appointments, to the front desk team that are going to be communicating about the appointments and also to obviously the treatment coordinators as well. So actually the effect of one PDP can be rippled across the whole lot. So it's really important for the the owners of practices to have a very clear vision plan for where they're going over the next five years. And I don't know about you, Laura, but as a treatment coordinator, I was definitely invited by my dentist when they were going on key clinical updates, you know, or learning a new area of clinical skills, whether it was in restorative or implants or ortho, whatever it may be, I would be going alongside that one of the nurses will be going alongside that as well, so that we could all um understand that course and different viewpoints about our individual roles. And for me that's that is what PDP is all about, isn't that what learning is all about actually, isn't it? It's understanding where are you going and how everybody else is going to support. Then of course there's going to be different things that you do want to go and do so you know there might be you might have a, a learning for being an oral health educator as a dental nurse for an example and that becomes part of your five-year plan but also the five-year plans have to be sustainable for everybody you can't have four nurses going out and doing the same course all at once it doesn't work for a business it wouldn't work financially so again having a five-year model allows you to really plan when are people going to go from the business and do these courses what order are people going in and I think this is really going to start to sort out a lot of stuff that's left to the last minute because we need some CPD hours and that's not what it's about it's about actually going what are we going to do over the next five years and you know how are we going to plan for that and hopefully your book course in advance um, so that actually the diaries are not disturbed and you know there's so that's going to be a, a benefit as well and then everybody's clear what people are going on as well so we always say don't we Laura that you know if a dentist is going on a, a, a key restorative course then it's good for all of the dentists and all the therapists to also do the same course isn't it because therefore everybody's you know on the same wavelength so it's really important that everybody knows what each other is doing now other questions that uh, have come about is you know to plan five years now that's quite a big job isn't it and I would would say yeah that is the biggest job right now is to plan for these five-year cycles because obviously um, not many of us have sat down and go where do we want to be over the next five years but also people say well things change well yes they do but it's a five-year cycle with a, a yearly review at least one yearly review a year if not two yearly reviews and I would say that this should become part of the appraisal. So you do an appraisal and you actually do a reflection on where people are with their PDPs and is is their PDP remain the same or what changes are moving forward because naturally we change don't we as people. We, we're we're in a position to do more, we're, we're not in a position to actually take on a course. Sometimes things happen in personal lives, don't they, where you've got the best intentions of taking on, you know, uh, a new course, maybe something that's going to run, I mean, radiography is not easy, for an example, um, for nurses, And if you're going to do that for three to six months, then you do need full commitment. If there's something going on in your personal life, that prevents you from doing that, then actually, that's going to have to be delaying the PDP, but you can make a note of that delay, and, and explain the reasons for that and where it's going to be moving forward so those are things that you need to be doing so once you've done your five-year plan Yes, it can it can change and move, and that will be the direction of the practice, how its vision planned for, you know, what the owner's going to go into. So I would say that the first couple of years is quite concrete, but their next, you know, three to five years might be quite fluid. For some people, they'll now their five year plan and they'll absolutely stick to it, and and that's not a problem either. Now, what's important with the PD pl- uh, PDPs is, is that. Um, it's been obviously we've got highly recommended GDC topics um, and it's been recommended that there are a few things that obviously we do need to be doing so the normal things that you'd expect to continue like the medical emergencies about 10 hours um, in every CPD cycle so that's over five years would be the right amount and that's got to include CPR training and emergency drugs and equipment Um, it's advisable that we do disinfection and decontamination Radiography, of course, is a must to get updated in legal and ethical issues, safeguarding children, managing complaints. But what you'll also see that the GDC have done is that they've definitely put a lot more into leadership and practice management as well. Now these are not highly um, recommended areas, but they're on the list. So again, I think there's been a good amount of freedom now for actually going well. What areas are actually relevant to my role? So. A question I had from a nurse the other day was, "Well, you know, I'm a, 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 you know, a, a senior nurse in my practice. Do I need to be doing, you know, leadership training? Do I need to be doing HR and employment law and things like that?" And my advice is, yes, you should be. If you're in a leadership position and you're doing some HR. Are, um oh there's Monty you might get a Rory bark in a minute um that you know actually you need to be going on to, on to leadership and that should become part of your PDP so the role that you're undertaking in practice again if you've been promoted in some way might change where you're going over the, over the next five years but each role is very very clear you know the dentist obviously they've got the most CPD to do um, and also one of the biggest changes as well. So, you know, the has got to do at least a hundred hours over five years, but you must do a minimum of 10 years of verifiable CPD every two years. So again, actually having a plan for five years means that practices can't do it all in the last year and we've all seen those update courses haven't we laura where you know everybody's running on them because they need to grab their cpd in the final do year you know,
0: cpd bundles yeah. online <laughs>
1: 50 bundles. Hours. Yeah, absolutely and you know and they have served a purpose but not anymore yeah, yeah. because actually it's about developing and learning, you know, every single year. You can't do four years in a practice and then on the fifth year decide that you're going to learn something because we know compliance changes, health and safety changes, you know, um, things within HR change, how to be an effective leader changes, materials that we're using in practice are changing. You know, the, the digital area is a really penetrating dentistry now, dentistry now, isn't it? It's a dynasty then. Dentistry now. Um, so all of these things are really important. So if you've got a plan as a manager, what I would be doing is checking that every person has got a plan. And if you want my advice, although the plans are the responsibility of the, um, the employed you know, team members and the uh, self-employed team members, I'd be keeping an eye on people and also making sure that, you know, everybody's. Um, you know learning um, is moving the practice in a really good direction which comes on to my final point and uh, one of the questions that we've been asked is can you deliver verifiable cpd in practice the answer to that is yes you can because if you look at the um, documentation when you deliver a verifiable cpd you've got to know first and foremost Um, the subject that you are actually training in. So if you can demonstrate that you know the subject that you're training in, there is no reason why you can't do verifiable CPD. So for an example, if you want to train all your dental nurses how to do um, impressions, dental impressions in the practice, then as a dentist or a therapist or a hygienist, can you train that out? Absolutely you can. But also nurses that have been doing this role for a a number of years, can they train it out as well? Absolutely. But as Laura said now, you've got to be very clear about there needs to be an agenda there needs to be aims and objectives, you need to follow the development outcomes, so you need to be thinking is it A, B, C or D. Um, Then it needs a clear certification, uh, everything needs to be planned and put on paper, you need to confirm what the A, B, C, D um, enhanced areas are so that you know it's very understandable what what, uh, the development outcomes are going to be achieved through the learning agenda. Then you have got to do a feedback form, you've also got to do a registration document, so that's people coming in and starting the session and in the session as well and you've got to do certification as well so as long as you do all of those things then you can do um cpd so basically your action list for it is confirm the cpd area that you're going to do you need to look at the aims and objectives for what you want to train you need to define the development outcomes you need to put an agenda together the amount of CPD, so that's the amount of hours that the training is going to uh, obviously uh, be for, the plan breaks in the presentation, any supporting handouts that you're going to do as part of it, or you might be doing a presentation as well, a registration form you do need, a feedback form, and then a review of feedback for changes to the course. And this is part of the quality assurance document that you must keep following through. So if you decide to do an impression training course in practice, Based on feedback, you might actually make some changes and therefore you need to document those changes, which is part of great quality assurance. Now, as Laura said, that's a whistle stop tool um, through how to do things and all we want to do is confirm to you that yes, you can do it and you can do it for a number of areas. Last tip I've got is, is that people are saying that they're going on courses outside of dentistry like let's say first um, first aid for an example and they've not got enhanced cpd at this course they've got a cpd certificate but it's not um, documented with the development outcomes so for me all you need to do is you need to understand the course that you've got it will have um, uh, aims and objectives and what you need to do is you need to do a reflective piece on the course and then map whether it's a b c or d There's no problems with that at all either, because at the end of the day, you have got CPD. It just needs to be tracked. And I think if you read the uh, GDC document, it comes into um, not exceptional circumstances, but there's a word. If you want to chat any more, Laura, I'll try and find the word that it is because it's gone out of my mind for a moment. Yeah, I
0: can't think what the word is either. And it's been a massive thing, hasn't it? You know, people are doing obviously a lot of other studying qualifications outside of dentistry whether that's you know some dentists are doing degrees diplomas in business for example and then they're saying well we can't use it because we can't submit the certificate they're not going to do the certificates in that way and it's a huge problem as I understand it and um, there is a way around that
1: um, and yeah, there's definitely... more
0: work for you to do because none yeah. of these other you know i don't know london business school were going to go oh we'll do you a different certificate for your cpd they're not going to do that so you know actually that was a problem initially um but they have
1: um, got away sorry Laura in most circumstances these details would come in form of a certificate where all the required information is included on one document for the CPD participant however in some circumstances and depending on the activity and I think first aid really comes under that different forms of evidence may be provided and the CPD providers should provide sufficient evidence regardless of the type of activity so that comes under you can you know Decide whether it's A, B, C, or D. But again, it's very clear that, for an example, if it was on first aid, um, then you know your it's it's going to be C, which is maintenance development of knowledge and skill within your field of practice. Yeah. Um, so that will be the area uh, for that as well. And I will also say, would say it would come into D as well, which is maintenance of skills, behaviours and attitudes, which maintain patient confidence in you and the dental profession and puts patients interest uh, first because yeah. you are patients interest first, aren't you? Um, no. If you're going to be um, going on a first day course. Um, and also you could have A as well because it's effective communication with patients. Yeah. So you could have A, C and D for just that. So hopefully with the advice that Laura and I have given you today, that gives you some confidence that actually this is a really good system and actually it's quite flexible.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's great. I really do. And, you know, most importantly, I know this has been active for for dentists for some time, but the fact that, you know, you can't just go and do... 50 or 75 hours of CPD in a matter of months um, is a great thing if you ask me. Right we've got to move on now and this is a CPD core topic, mouth cancer. So last week I went to the Mouth Cancer Awareness Month uh, launch at the Houses of Commons and I was there on behalf of the Society of British Dental Nurses. I was representing them with their chair Emma Riley and I um, it was a really really interesting event and uh, there were some pictures on Facebook and other social media were with these blue lips and so the blue lips really are the iconic image representing mouth cancer awareness and so this person has seen this and said oh what you know what can we do as a practice to get involved um, and obviously awareness is the biggest thing isn't it so there was a um, a picture Um, on the Society of British Dental Nurses on their Facebook of a display that someone had already created in their practice and uh, it it was beautiful, really was. So somebody's already created a display so you know it's just having that information prompts conversation so that's fantastic in the first place and then for me because I do a lot of work with dentists on their examination and the way they're communicating what they're assessing and co-diagnosis, I am really, um, you know, a huge aspect of that is the mouth cancer screening. So the problem we have in practice is that, you know, people don't want to say, oh, that was a mouth cancer screening and everything looks great. Um, And also, you know, the other problem that that we've got, you know, in general is that we're just too British, we just don't talk about things enough and I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, but you know, you might have a huge bulk of patients that do not know that you are doing mouth cancer screenings so by doing an awareness event that's very interesting to see how many of your existing patients book in because if you've got an awareness event it's free it's on the last Friday of the month between 1 and 5 p.m but people do need to book an appointment and it's for anybody in the you know in the community not just for your patients so it was interesting to see how many of your patients do actually book in for that that's that's a story in itself but awareness events I think are wonderful Uh, And I have had added into this question, do we need one of the special lights to do that? And to do an awareness event, all you need is the proper protocol that all the dentists and hygienists are going to use to screen for mouth cancer. And just for resource, there is a wonderful video on the Mouth Cancer Foundation. Uh, website under their tab of screening it's called two minutes to save a life and it's just fantastic just go and watch it because it just covers everything that you need to be doing um, in that mouth screening appointment so everyone can be on board you know there's a protocol there for you so I think awareness events are great I would also look at doing some staff training for the entire team around mouth cancer because you know we're, we're constantly uh under communicating um hpv and the effects of hpv and you know it, it's just such a sort of taboo subject and I still forever hear in practices or even when I was telling my hairdressers the other week they just hadn't made the connection between HPV and the oral cavity and they were all sort of shocked like oh my gosh you know and you get giggles and you get laughter don't you and um you know, we've all just got to grow up a little bit, stop being so British and stop avoiding talking about things. And we need to talk openly about HPV and what effect that has, why screening's important, why patients should self-screen as well. I'm a huge fan of that. And, you know, let's be open with communicating risk factors to patients. You know, people of Michael and I's age group Uh, late late 30s early 40s age group you know we are a you know a higher risk than you know the younger females for example um because you know they've been vaccinated um and we haven't so we need to be really open about risk factors as well um but I would look at a wonderful display get someone really passionate behind that and do a free event you know just one clinician having 15 minutes per patient for one afternoon in the month should be great, uh, really should. So, you know, yeah,
1: hopefully like what you, know what you I said there. And actually, I had the uh, wonderful experience of going to Macmillan events uh, and uh, hosting it just on Friday, actually, on Friday night. Oh. And uh, these ladies did the full Monty. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> you no, know, it was absolutely, staggering like you know the, the the link you know cancer affects all of us now in some way and you know the message that is coming back and really uh, reinforces what you said Laura is education and self-awareness about self-checking and you know the Macmillan's advice you know as well is you know check everything you know if a lump isn't supposed to be there you know and it wasn't there yesterday then go and check it out you know no, you know you're not wasting anybody's time and I would say this to patients as well put it in your newsletter if you're worried at any point that you've got something in your mouth that you think I don't remember that being there yesterday get it out to your patients and say come and see us it's a free appointment we'd rather you came to see us and we confirmed that everything was okay than you waited six months to have an examination with us and then we picked something up a little bit later you know um I don't know about you Laura but definitely the dentist that I work for um picked up you know, mouth cancer in their career. Um, and I know it's not going to be that many patients, but you know, it's amazing how, um, you know, in not in a good way either, that actually the statistics of mouth cancer is rising. You know, um, I don't know the reasons for that, but you know, that there are varying uh, reasons for it but you know we've got to encourage people haven't we that if they've got a problem that they can come to us as a dental industry as well and we're not that just there to what would the word be I don't want to say well I'm going to say it like just we're not just there to make money are we we you know we are a business but it's nice to educate and you can educate people um in this way and if you talk to you know newspapers you know and and select magazines in your area you can get a lovely brand awareness piece by actually doing something amazing and and people are likely to read um a mouth cancer story you know a mouth cancer awareness story aren't they and actually then you've really serviced your community well haven't you it, that's just yeah. my opinion from being so you know so overwhelmed really with the the amount of love in the room from friday
0: yeah and at this event um you know there's and i'll put some links into this podcast there's a, a guy I spoke who is a tongue cancer survivor and he's got a facebook page tongue cancer journey all his videos documenting you know from finding out from having surgery these are great videos that you can share on your social media for your practice so you're not being so direct but you're sharing others and I met a lovely lady called Rachel that's who I had a photo taken with and she does a lot of speeches, her and her husband, about mouth cancer. She's also a mouth cancer survivor. And interestingly, she did go to her dentist and it's it's really sad this, that her dentist said, oh no, don't worry, it's like and plain, there's nothing to worry about. And she went back six months later and they said, no, definitely nothing to worry about. But she said she just knew in her gut, she just knew. So she did go for a second opinion and she had cancer in her cheek tissue. So yeah and
1: all- so important is it and also I think a great um celebrity uh, story again not great because she's had mouth cancer but Jay Aston has been very um from Buck's Feast so people might yeah. remember Buck's Feast um but she's been on you know uh social media she's been you know on tv and there are interviews with uh Jay about the treatment that she's had she's had tongue reconstruction again you know sharing things like that you know some people especially of our age group and older would know who that person was and even if you don't um what she keeps saying is my dentist picked this up yeah
0: yeah
1: Michael Douglas
0: another famous person Michael Douglas you know yeah he's had he's had mouth cancer and you know it is really prominent It, it is rising um so yeah Get on board. Get your education up to date as well, people, and that's for the entire team, not just for CPD. We need to move on. We've got a few minutes to answer this last question about apprentice dentists versus therapists. Now, Michael and I have said this so many times on this podcast that we love associate dentists. We don't we don't bash them in any way whatsoever. We're all about them because we know they're such a great support to the practice. Uh, equally, we have a huge love of therapists as well because they're so passionate about fillings and I think that's just wonderful. So I feel everybody in practice should really be working on their passions. So therefore, um, you can have individual dentists doing particular treatments and then you've got therapists working on fillings, which is just wonderful. Um, Apprentice dentists, I mean, it's a wonderful role that's quite a small, um, takes up a small percentage in practices. Again, it's great. I would say if you take on an apprentice dentist, they do need to be taken on for two years, not one year. I think oh, one year is just not enough, is it, to mentor somebody. Um, I would definitely be taking them on for a minimum of two years. And... um, a client has recently told me that in you know if they were to do it again they would definitely be doing two years um but in the second year they'd also increase the salary because that person would be more productive so i definitely think that's another great tip to take from that person as well but i think the biggest problem with either role taking on either role into your practice if you want either role to work you have got to have the time to mentor that person because you can't just chuck them into your business. So if you have not got the time to mentor a therapist, to be meeting with them weekly, to be meeting with your apprentice dentist weekly, and I'm not just mean like a lunchtime meeting, this is you know, really thought through, planned training, then it won't work. And I don't mean to be negative, but you have to have the time because this is the biggest problem we see, isn't it Mike, that people don't have the time.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we've also got to give uh, people that were training the right skills as well so that they can actually show you what they've been doing and that success rate of treatment. So I always say first and foremost that, you know, when an apprentice is is working or you've got a therapist and you want to add some validity of whether it's working or not, is you just get them to track um, each treatment that they they do do to see how long it lasts. How effective it is, and also then to re- record, um, probably a, a the best thing to do the, at each stage. So, you know, I've prepped the tooth and do a photograph of that. You know, I've lined the tooth, take another t- a picture. You know, I've filled the tooth, take another picture. You know, I've confirmed that I'm happy with the bite, take another picture. Um, whatever pictures would help, you can then do a full review of that patient, then because you've got like, well, this is what it started like, this is what I've done. Um, yes you know um you won't know unless you take an x-ray on every patient and i'm not for one moment saying that you do whether or not you've done any damage to a nerve if you're if you if you know you're at early stages of doing you know filling work and and dentistry but that that should be uh not happen very often really should it in reality because people should be confident enough to be at that point where they can be mentored at the right level um, and if they're not then find them you know, the right courses. Or the other thing that I say is that it's very good for dentists to have the new therapist or the new dentist to work alongside them, you know, for that person to be the nurse. And yeah. that way they see what you're doing and how you approach situations. And that I think is really nice. And I've seen a few dentists do this, and it's very rewarding, is that the owner or the dentist that's training becomes the nurse for the therapist or for the dentist, again, obviously not days and days worth, but for every now and again goes in and actually um, supports them, you know, alongside doing a filling or an RCT or whatever it may be. And therefore that person can, if there is any um, techniques that they can support them with there and then, the dentist is sitting right by you, isn't it? So I think that's a, a nice way of training too. But it does come back to your, first point really Laura which is you know it's time isn't it and I think mm-hmm. the first thing you've got to do is you've got to want to mentor somebody and actually training somebody is actually hard work so if you're already stressed and you're already maxed out and you think that having an apprentice is going to save your practice then I would say that's a mistake yeah it's it's, yeah. So, it's something that's supposed to be an addition that's a really positive experience for everybody and you will get something out of it in the long term but it's got to be something that you have the time to be passionate about, um, and and that's the direction that you're going. Um, and I we are seeing um, a lot of older dentists that don't want to do so much dentistry, starting to become mentors and bringing people into their practices. And I think that's working very successfully because of course now you know we do need to spend more time working on the business, not just in the business as a clinician. Um, and therefore that has changed some things, isn't it? So some dentists don't want to be doing you know 45 hours 50 hours any longer they're quite happy to do 25 to 30 clinical hours and then spend the rest of time working on the business and and mentoring which we do feel is a bit more of a life-work balance don't we yeah much more
0: rewarding as well which is great now, everybody, we have to leave it there for time today. Sorry about the um, disturbance with the sound for a second, and uh, for my little dog having a bark, how very inconvenient of him. Oh, well, why made a cat- it
1: next to the fire? <laughs> yeah it's made,
0: made a guest appearance today Monty so we've now had Rory and Monty on the Horton Hangout podcast so that's wonderful it'll be Betsy next please keep sending in your questions we will obviously be doing the December podcast in about a month's time unreal really is um but um Michael thank you ever so much for your time today and for your wonderful knowledge and top tips that you've shared and oh, you welcome like uh, right? Please share our podcast and send in your questions. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.